Well, brothers and sisters, it is a joy to get to be with each and every one of you tonight. Uh, Let me pray for our time, and we'll get started. Father, open our hearts to your word tonight. Soften our hearts. Let us hear your gospel. We thank you. We love you. And we pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Tonight, I really just want to take a few minutes to reflect on God's kindness and the lives that we ought to live in response to that kindness. So if you'll read with me, our text tonight comes from Isaiah 56, verse 7. You can find it on the screen back there. You can find it in your Bibles, but I'll read it for us. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Our two points of reflections tonight will be God's gospel and then God's people. So, first part, God's gospel. We ought not to skip over the first eight words of this text. Truly, I think it is actually the most glorious part of our text. Brothers and sisters, in these eight words, we actually find the hope of our religion. These eight words are the gospel. God has brought us to his holy mountain. That is shocking to us because that is not where we belong as sinners. And yet, because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, God has made himself available to us in Jesus Christ. God is kind to us to allow us, to welcome us into his presence. If there is one thing I want you to hear tonight, it is that God is kind. If you're not a Christian, that's our hope, that Jesus Christ died for us. God expects us to repent, to turn from our sins, to place our faith and trust in Christ. And I would call you to do The same, not because I think I know best, but because I believe God does. God is kind to you if you're not a a Christian, because in this opportunity, he's actually granting you the chance to repent. 2 Peter 3.9 says that God is kind and he wishes none would perish. And so he is delaying judgment so that you would turn to him. So turn to him. And if you're a Christian tonight, and I wonder if when we think about the gospel, do we think about how God is indeed kind? If you're anything like me, you are a person who is given to hard thoughts of God. Hard thoughts being that I think he's stingy. I think he's angry. I think he's, he, he could never be pleased with me. John Owen in his wonderful book, Uh, Communion with God says, flesh and blood is apt to think hard thoughts of God, but it is his greatest desire that you should receive him into your soul as one full of love, tenderness, and kindness to you. Does hearing the gospel inspire you to those kinds of thoughts of God? Listen to how David describes being with God. He says, The children of mankind feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drinks from the river of your delights. 
for with you is the fountain of life. He says, O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. These verses demonstrate a life that is gripped with the kindness and the goodness of God. Are you that way? Are you gripped by God's kindness? Do you love the God who is kind? Are you satisfied with the God who has saved you? God is kind. God is kind to us. The same grace that saves us is the same grace that trains us. Titus 2 says that God's kindness appeared bringing salvation for all and now we wait and we hope, but that's active. It actually says the the grace trains us for godliness. So we're to live godly lives. So what does that look like? I think our text describes it in what I would call priestly language. These people on God's holy mountain, they pray. They make burnt offerings. They make sacrifices. And it makes sense. God's people, God has always referred to his people as a kingdom of priests. You could go to Exodus 19 verses 5 and 6. Or you could go look at 1 Peter 2 where Peter specifically says that the, uh, God's church are priests. They're a holy priesthood. These are contrasted with the, the verse right after in Isaiah 56. The, 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 the people who are doing things are contrasted with those who are, they're called uh, silent dogs. They're called blind watchmen. Those who fill themselves with strong drink and say, tomorrow will be like this day, great beyond measure. To be blunt, I think as Isaiah, and Jesus is often blunt, These are a useless people. These are a people preoccupied with themselves. These are a people who turn God's grace into a license for licentiousness. They take the gifts of God and they live for themselves. May that never be said of us. We're now looking at God's people and I want to make two points about God's people. How we're to be making spiritual sacrifices, which is how I understand Isaiah 56, 7. We no longer make physical sacrifices. Jesus Christ, by the grace of God, is the once and for all sacrifice. No sacrifices are longer necessary to appease God because God in Jesus Christ has done that for us. And yet, this text very clearly says that we still make spiritual, we still make sacrifices. I just take these to be like what Paul says in Romans 12. Our lives are to be spiritual sacrifices to God. So first, I want to look at the lives that we live with one another. And I think Brad this morning spoke about how what is so important for our church is our, is our corporate witness, how we, how we look and how we are pure as we gather together. And well, now I want to look at the, the importance that we, we put towards the interpersonal relationships, the, the relationships we have with one another underneath that corporate witness. God's priests ought to minister to and serve one another. This looks like praying together. This looks like reading scripture together. Or as Paul says in Romans 15, 14, to instruct one another in God's word. So let me ask you, are you reading God's word with brothers and sisters? Are you praying 
with fellow church members. It was a few days ago. Joe Evans called me on Friday afternoon just to pray with me, and it's six minutes out of his day. That's it. Makes me feel like a million bucks. Colby Harper calls me before I pray today, or before I preach today. Prays for me. Makes me feel like a million bucks. It's six minutes out of our days. Can we be blessings to one another? Can we live our lives for one another? That's part of what it means to be a Christian. That's part of what spiritual sacrifices looks like. Are there ways at UBC you could be praying or you could be serving more? Maybe you could talk to Jack Gilliland or Mike Lawrence and ask specifically how you can help bless those who are homebound, especially during COVID. We ought to take seriously how we conduct and live our lives together. Part of protecting our corporate witness is living lives of love and service towards one another. God has loved you. Do you love God? And in loving God, do you love the brothers? Do you love your family? But we're also to be priests for the nations, which is our second point underneath God's people. I love what Sean Cooper said earlier. God's heart for the nations is not just for the missions nerds, What an incredible quote. I'm going to hang that up in my house. Care for the nations is not incidental to the Christian life because it's not incidental to God. In fact, I would encourage you to go to that 10-week seminar. That sounds exciting. That sounds encouraging. What better way to know God's heart for the nations and to hear it explained to you from someone like Sean Cooper or Ryan Martin who have given their lives to helping brothers and sisters understand God's heart for the nations? And as, as Sean and Brad have said many times tonight, the hope for the nations are local churches. And so as we think about what it looks like to church plant, Lord willing, in the near future, are you praying for that church plant? Are you praying if the Lord is asking you to go with that church plant? What would it look like for you to help do, to, to upend your life, to help do gospel work in another town? Could it be that God is calling you to go join in that work? And similarly, is God calling you to go to the nations? I would encourage you to talk to Ryan Martin to see what would it look like if you are indeed called to go. You can join his missions reading group to learn more about what it would look like to be trained. You can pray with other members. I would encourage you to do that, to pray with other members for our missions partners, which are listed on page 25 of our member directory. Why not do that once every other week? Why not pray for our missions partners with brothers and sisters? Part of what made Jesus so upset in our passage this morning was that the Jews were were demonstrating a blatant disregard for the nations and segregating themselves from the Gentiles in the outer court. May that never be said of us. May that never be said that we don't care for the nations. So by way of conclusion, God has been kind to us and we live lives of love and service towards God and his people as a response. Brothers and sisters, our lives together say something about the God we serve. 
Is it telling the truth about God? Let's pray. God, you have been exceedingly kind to us. We pray that through the working of your spirit in us, we would always remember how kind you have been to us in Christ. Help us to be grateful and obedient children. We love you, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.